Father, we just thank you once again this morning, O Lord. Father, we just come to your throne room of grace, Lord. Plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we want to exalt your word above every situation, Lord. For you said in your word that you have exalted your word above every name. And I pray, Father, this morning we exalt you, Lord. Not opinions of men, but your opinion that matters, O Lord. For you said in your word that your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts. As the heaven is high above the earth, so are your thoughts and your ways. And therefore this morning, Lord, I pray, Father, that, Lord, that you would, Father, exhort us and to, uh, uh, and, to, and to challenge us, Lord, to come up and not to stay at a level which we are comfortable in, not to be satisfied with the status quo, that we will truly, truly make an effort, O oh Lord, Father, that we will put to death the deeds of the flesh and that we will, Father, Climb up, O oh Lord Jesus, Father, uh, Father, this morning, O oh Lord, grant us grace to that, and we pray that you would anoint us afresh to, Father, understand your word, and Lord, not only understand, but Lord, that your, that your, that your life would be made manifest, O oh Lord, even as we uh, take part of your word this morning, O oh Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Speak to our hearts, anoint us, even in the speaking and the hearing of this word, for in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Um, Paul in uh, his efficient, uh, in his epistle to the Corinthians, he says, I wish all uh, would speak in tongues, but he also says that um, the gift that you should desire to have uh, is the gift of prophecy. Yeah, uh, He said, I would rather that, uh, that you would speak um, one word which is understandable to everybody than several hundred words in Angelic tongues, not that um, that the gift of tongues is not great, it is great, but the gift of tongues edifies you personally, it doesn't edify others unless until there is an inter- inter- interpreter. Um, so this morning, um, we, let us understand what it means, why, why do we have teaching, why do we have to go through this process of teaching, um, which is prophetic in nature. See, uh, it says the, the church is built up on the teaching of the apostles and the prophets. Okay, there is an apostolic ministry and the prophetic ministry, apostolic ministry, which um, lays the foundation, okay, and there's a teaching which uh, teaches us the ways of walking us, walk, walking in the kingdom of God, and of course there's a prophetic teaching as well, which uh, corrects us constantly, keeps exhorting us, and like uh, the prophets Haggai and uh, Zechariah, when they stopped building the the temple of God, the prophets came up and he said, what are you doing, guys? And they encouraged and exhorted them to uh, not to give up on um, building the house. And we are all building. Like yesterday we were looking at the Solomonic anointing, if you want to call that. The Solomonic anointing, which is the anointing of, uh, of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Uh, that we will be having that kind of a spirit that will be able to build the body of Christ. Like uh, Paul says, like a my wise master builder. I laid the foundation and others have to build upon it. And but we should be careful as to how we build upon it because that day will be, will test the work whether, uh, by fire, whether it will stand the test or not. And therefore, uh, we need to, uh, understand what it means to, uh, to have this ministry of teaching which builds us up and what are some of the ingredients of this teaching ministry, uh, which we need to really focus upon. For example, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, we looked at that yesterday, but we will uh, kind of uh, go into a little bit of detail. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 3, it says, 
but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation and comfort. Three things. It talks about edification, it talks about exhortation and it talks about comfort. And we need all these three things. Okay. What does that word edification mean? Edification comes from the word edifice or a building or a structure. The purpose of all teaching is to build us up, right? Like we saw yesterday, right? The builder has greater honor than the building itself, right? That is the, that in the new covenant, we are all called to build one another. Okay. Words build, yes. Uh, that's the reason why it says, he, he who can exhort, let him exhort. Hmm? All of us have been given different uh, gifts, but all the giftings have to be used in order to build the body of Christ. Yeah. So the prophecy or teaching is to edify. First, one of the purposes of, of uh, teaching ministry or the prophetic ministry, if you want to call it uh, prophesying, if you will. We are prophesying. Okay, We are teaching, preaching. Broadly, we are prophesying. Like, what, what is the spirit of the testimony of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy. Okay, so that we strengthen the witness of Jesus Christ in our lives. When the Holy Spirit comes, ye shall receive power and ye shall be my witnesses. Okay, and the testimony of Jesus Christ, the witness of Jesus Christ is a spirit of prophecy. So in order for us to be strengthened in our witnessing, what we need is to be edified, to be strengthened, to be built up. You understand that? So like for example, um, if you remember when uh, when they are charged by the Jewish council not to preach in the name of Jesus, they said we would rather fear God than fear men. And then they would come back and they put the put up this request before God and they say, why do the heathen rage, etc. And when they pray, the Holy Spirit comes and the place is shaken and they go out and testify with more boldness. Okay. So we need, so that the, the, the whole purpose of prophesying under the anointing of the Holy Spirit is to strengthen your testimony. Okay. Understand that? That is the reason why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9, look at what it says onwards. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field, you are God's building. Both um, uh, metaphors are used over here. According to the grace of God which was given me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Who is this? Paul. And another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. The word is edifying, again, by the way. The word for building here is to edify. So the, perf- the purpose of prophesying, if you will, or which encapsulates broadly teaching and preaching, is to edify and to build on that foundation and we have to be very, very careful as to how we build upon it. Okay, there's no other foundation. What is a foundation? You are saved by, through faith on, by putting your trust on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He died for your sins, he was buried, he rose again the third day, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, far above every principality and power of darkness, so that, so all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe in your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ Okay, if you can uh, confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus can believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. This is the foundation. All right. 
So there is chief, the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. That is the reason why in First Peter chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. He says, coming to him as living stones. He is what? He is a chosen stone, the precious stone, elect cornerstone. And upon that cornerstone, looking at that cornerstone, the entire building is being made up into a spiritual house so that we can offer up spiritual sacrifices and we become what, what kind of a priesthood? A spiritual priesthood. Okay, so acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, he says. So the whole purpose of the teaching ministry is to build us, build up. So the prophetic ministry or the teaching and the preaching is to build you up. Okay, and then goes on to say, verse 11, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's exactly what uh, Paul through his entire uh, preaching does it. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and straw, what happens? That day will, each one's work will become clear for that day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one each one's work, what sort it is. If anyone's work, work has, uh, uh, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. So what kind of a teaching that we need? We need a teaching which will endure. For example, if you turn with me to First Peter chapter 2, the last two verses. Sorry, chapter 1, the last two verses. Last three verses of First Peter chapter 1. The last three verses. Verse 23 onwards, okay. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed. Okay. Th- through, but of incorruptible seed. Through the word of God which lives and abides forever. Okay, so you have been born again by, not by uh, incorruptible seed, uh, sorry, cor- corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed. Okay, and then he says, which lives and abides forever, verse 24, all flesh is grass. Gaddi. Enti, shariranto sammaninchena pratidu kuda, gaddi to samanamu. Spashtanga, whatever is of the flesh is gaddi, is grass. And all the glory of man, or the opinions of men, doxa of men, is like the flower of the grass. At least grass remains for a while. The flower of the grass, how long will it remain? <laughs> and he says, the grass with us, the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. You see the very clear thing over here. So he says, whatever is enduring forever, on that you should build. So that day will test it by a fire. Whether it was grass ministry or precious stone ministry. Okay. Gad, Reuben, half tribe, tribe of Manasseh, grass ministry. Whole, their entire life is grass, Baba. We want to come back to grass. Grass ministry. Grass also has several other connotations these days. What do you say? All young people are looking at me. If you are looking into the camera, you know what I am talking about, right? So, grass. That will only give you a high. After that, very, very low, you will go. Okay. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. And therefore, what should, what should we do? It says in Jude chapter 1, verse 20. Oh, this is only, only, only one chapter. Because for the sake of the computer, it's a dumb machine. So, I have to tell 120. Okay. Yeah, right? But you, beloved, <laughs> you're all laughing, okay? I tell the children, you know, when they come to the first class in, you know, university, right? I tell them, computer is a dumb machine. 
if anybody says you're calculating a, like a computer, they're insulting me, not giving me any accolades. Sorry, your brain is like a computer. No, 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 no. Sorry. I'm going to run from that commendation. Because computer is a dumb thing, right? But you, beloved, building yourself up in look at that personal possessive pronoun. What? In our? No, 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 no. In your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. How do you do it? Next verse. You pray the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God. Oh boy. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This is how you build yourself in the most holy place. First thing you pray in the Spirit. Okay, 90% of the church is gone there. They only pray with understanding. I mean, not 90% is a very uh, hard. Majority of the church, I also I do not want to say, a, a, a significant percentage in the church. They don't even pray. They don't even know as to what it means to pray in the Holy Spirit. Why, why, why is this important to pray in the Holy Spirit? Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 onwards. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Okay, we don't have just weakness. Oh, weaknesses. I hope so. All our righteousnesses and weaknesses. Okay, all are filthy rags and therefore we have several, not just weakness. Oh, that is my weakness, Andy. Ayyo. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for, pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Can you imagine? I just wonder sometimes how the Reformed theologians interpret this, no? You should see some strange, interesting interpretations of this. It's a little cute, but it's okay. It's quaint and cute, but not true. Completely. And then go go on. Verse 27. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Oh my goodness, the Spirit has a mind? Oh yeah? Yesterday we are talking about the soul and the spirit. And our soul has to be in line with the spirit. Meaning the mind that we have should have, should be so totally aligned with the mind of the spirit. Okay. So we have a spirit of Christ, we have the mind of Christ and we have the mind of the spirit. And I'm sure the mind of Christ is is, is was the mind of the spirit and so it should be with us as well. That we should have the way. Uh, like for example, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That means what? It was God breathed. That means what? When Paul was writing, was he thinking? Yes, he was thinking. But who was thinking? Christ was thinking. What was thinking? Spirit was thinking. So wh- how was he thinking? He was thinking the way the spirit of God was thinking. You see, you see, this is so important. Like if, for example, you read a book. No, Even if you read a detective novel, for example. It's very interesting when you know what, how the author is thinking. Hmm? So very important for us to also know the, who is the author? The Holy Spirit is the author. And therefore read the Bible more than you read anything else because that is where you can get the way the Holy Spirit thinks. This is so important for us to understand. 
Okay, so uh, the, now he who know, searches the hearts knows the mind of the what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. There is definitely three wills of God. We know sanctification is the will of God that you keep yourself from sexual immorality. Second, giving of thanks is the will of God. By doing good, you silence the ignorance of foolish men. Also, is the will of God. So that these three things are definitely the will of God and then there are specific wills of God that God has given for each one of us. But whoever desires to do his will or wills to do his will, he will know, right? So this is the reason why praying in the Holy Spirit is so important. And then keeping yourself in the love of God is important. Jude will say that. And looking for the mercy is important. Three things he says. What do you do? First of all, you pray in the spirit. You keep yourself in the love of God. Keeping yourself in the love of God. God loves you? Yes. You keep yourself also. You should also keep yourself in the love of God. How do you go away from the love of God? When you go away like Cain from the place of warning to the place of wandering. Turn your back from God and just walk away from the presence of God. That is how you not keep yourself in the love of God. And looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So first is what? Edification. Second is what? Exhortation. What is exhortation? It is to beseech, to urge, for example. First exhortation, we know it very well. By this time you should know. When I say beseech, uh, Romans 12.1. You see all of, you know, you become fantastic scholars. 12.1. Beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then he qualifies it. Set apart, holy, that is first thing. Second, acceptable to God. Okay, That is your reasonable act of worship. And then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It is not, as I said, the removal of the mind. It is a renewing of the mind, which is the part of the salvation of our soul. That's what we looked at yesterday. Another, another beseeching, okay. Romans 16 verse 17 onwards. Romans 16 verse 17 onwards. 16 verse 17 onwards. Now I urge you or beseech you brothers. Note those who cause divisions and stumbling blocks. Offenses means stumbling blocks. Or scandals. Okay. Whoever creates scandals in the church, take a note of them. Or manufactures scandals. But they just manufacture it. Now I urge you brothers, note those who cause divisions, note those who cause offenses. How are these divisions and offenses caused? Contrary to the doctrine which you have heard. And what should you do? Avoid them. Why is this important? Doctrine is a use, is something which is, which is, which is essential for what? Edification. Exactly. Okay. All scripture is God, but it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the man of God is thoroughly equipped and ready for every good work. And so he says, I urge you brothers, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Very important for us to understand this. These are some important truths. Yesterday when I was, pastor was talking about, I was saying this is so, 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 so crucial. And then goes, goes on to say, verse 18, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. Like, you know, Philippians says, their God is their own belly, their glory is in their shame, and what? Their end is 
destruction. And they are enemies of the cross. For those who are such do not serve our own Lord, our, our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and speech, <coughs> flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. So you cannot be simple. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. That is the reason why. How long you simple ones will you love simplicity and fools hate knowledge? Turn at my reproof and I will pour out my spirit upon you. He says in Proverbs chapter 1. Simple is not good. Are he's such a simple fellow. In what we should be simple, the next verse will say. 19. We know it very well. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. That is simplicity. But why wisdom should be there? Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Okay? Alright? So, urge. Beseech, therefore there is what? Edification. There is an exhortation. Another exhortation before we go to the next one. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1 onwards. Therefore, I the prisoner of Lord Jesus, what? Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. How? With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And then it says something very interesting. Verse 3. Keeping the... Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That is how exhortation should happen. That is one of the very, very important exhortations. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So you have edification, you have exhortation, and finally you have Comfort. Comfort comes from the word strengthen. Who needs strengthening? First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14. Okay. Or comfort. Hmm? Now I exhort you brothers. Very interesting. No? Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint hearted. Strengthen the faint hearted. Who are these faint hearted? Those fellows when they go to battle. Let all the faint hearted Go. Why should they go? Otherwise, they will discourage or, uh, yeah, discourage those people who are fighting. So, comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. Okay. That is the reason why we need prophesying. Because it accomplishes three things. What does it accomplish? It accomplishes, first, edification. Second, it accomplishes exhortation. Third, it accomplishes the, the, the ministry of comforting or strengthening those who are faint-hearted. Because men's hearts will faint for fear by the things that are coming in the world. I'm telling you, my dear brothers and sisters, if we are not stayed on God and we are not stayed put on the things of God, Dutch courage will not, will not, uh, save you. The only one fearlessness will change you. That if you die today, you'll be able to stand before the before God because your conscience is clear with God and with man and you have no unconfessed sin in your life and that is the only assurance that you will have when you stand before God. That is the only thing which will give you what we call as boldness. Otherwise, no. You have to take sin, sin, sin seriously. And we don't have anything against God and anything against man. We have settled all accounts with God and with man. And we know for the best to the best of our knowledge, as far as a conscious part is concerned, we don't have any sin in our hearts. That will give us boldness. Not, okay, we let us go and do it. No. That is not going to give us boldness. And another reason, another purpose of prophesying. Okay, let's go to First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 24. 
and 25. Look at what it says. I love this, no? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person, two people can come into our midst. An unbeliever can come, an uninformed person can come. He is convinced by all. Who is convinced by all? The uninformed fellow is convinced. An unbeliever is convicted by all. And thus, what happens? The secrets of his heart are revealed. And what will he do? And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. You see, that is the purpose of all teaching. That we will have such a tremendous authority of the Holy Spirit that we will be able to speak into people's life and their situations. We will know exactly what they are going through. And what will happen? All his arguments <laughs> and all his unbelief will be exposed for what it truly is. That he is only giving excuses and that he doesn't have any reasons for not actually truly following God. Okay? So true relevance is happening when we are being edified. Okay? When we are being exhorted. When we are being comforted. And when we are constantly being examined. Right? Examination. Examination is not a matter of chance. <laughs> okay? Examination is deliberate. Okay? So we are edified, exhorted, comforted and examined. Okay, that is the reason why Hebrews chapter 4, we know like, look at, look at that verse yesterday, right? Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 onwards. Ah, sorry, not 15. 11 onwards, 11 onwards. 11, 11 onwards. Yeah. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter into the rest. Verse 12, for the word of the Lord is living one. Powerful second. Living means, it's quick it says in the other word, in other translation, KJV. Quick. <laughs> I like that word, quick. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay, first, it is living. Then it is powerful. The gospel of God is the power of God into salvation. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power. You know what? Words have got power to change, to transform. Ultimate power is to change a fellow who is an absolutely given to alcoholism, for example. And the spirit of God falls upon him. And from the next day, he's got the power to overcome his sin. That is, that is real power. Not having nuclear weapons. The ultimate power is able to restrain your anger. That is the reason why he says, the one who is able to control his anger is, a, is more powerful and stronger than the one who takes over a city. I, I, I remember, uh, I think um, William Grunel in his work, actually William Grunel in his work, uh, Christian in Complete Armour, this is what he says. He says, just imagine a Roman centurion who has just won a war. Okay, and when he's won a war, he brings all the prisoners of war in, into the into the into the parade, and there's a huge parade. Okay, they'll say, "Wow, what a powerful man! He's able to what a powerful man! What a wise man! He's able to conquer such huge army and all the prisoners of war like that, walking, walking, and he's being he's walking on the parade, and all the people are saying, "Glory, glory, glory! Look at this man who's taken over a city, and suddenly he sees a maiden." A beautiful maiden. And he falls for her. You know what he says? This man who took over a city was conquered and filled by a woman. I think uh, 
Sundar Krishnan, he wrote a book uh, on the book of Psalms. I forget the book, okay? He says, um, this pilot, have you seen, you should see pilots, okay? Uh, one of my favorite pastimes is to see takeoff and landing. And the most difficult thing is to do landing. Takeoff is easy. Landing is one of the most difficult things to do. And the, the guy who's able to land the aeroplane in such fantastic fashion, when the winds are contrary to him, and to give a smooth landing is like the perfect pilot. And now, it's, a, it's really uh, interesting that some of the women are real good pilots. Okay, you should see that. It's like, it's there, it's there on video, uh, YouTube, okay? And so, uh, so Sindhar Krishnan gives this very interesting example. He says this guy who's, who's, uh, who's landing this pilot, uh, landing this plane in the airport, and you know, is so perfect. The winds were contrary, and there was a lot of turbulence, and he was able to bring the flight down so smoothly. Touchdown, plak, taxing, smooth, slowly get, comes into the whatever the place, not that sucking thing, whatever you call it, no. Ah, that aisle, and then the uh, the the uh, the flight taxis around the I mean taxis on the runway comes to the halt, and then all the passengers are saying, "What a fantastic landing!" And they're applauding the pilot. Okay, and then the after everything is done, the pilot you know gets up, he puts on his suit, and then he takes his briefcase. And he comes out and there's a small obstruction over there which he couldn't see. He comes and trip, trips over the obstruction. Okay. And what comes out of his mouth? Ah, nice words come out of his mouth. And everybody is looking at him and says, this guy who could land a pilot, or land a fantastic plane with such fantastic precision cannot control his own tongue. That is the plight of human beings. So ultimate power is not a, not the ability to tame huge rockets and, and aeroplanes and robots. The ultimate power is to be able to control your own tongue. That is the reason why James says all kinds of animals could be tamed. Have you seen dolphins being tamed? You'd be shocked to see some of those dolphin parks, the kind of things that they can do. But he says the tongue, <laughs> sorry, that is power. Zassi is power. In German. <laughs> okay. So, so the whole purpose of the teaching ministry is to, is to expose that. Uh, the word of God has got the power to save. That is power. power word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. That is three. Piercing the division of the soul and the spirit. Joints and the marrow. Have you ever thought about that? What are these joints, Baba? Maybe you should do a homework on that. That will be interesting. <laughs> and the discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. Like, uh, like I tell, in, tell my students in university, right? The easy things is for the professor and the difficult thing for the students, okay? So, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Six and then seven. Look at what it says. Verse seven. Oh, so verse 13. Sorry, verse 13, not seven. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The 
seven things the word of God accomplishes. So when we are examined by the word, all those hidden things come out and we are made mm, before God. But what do you say? <laughs> Alright, so this is the whole purpose of teaching. To exhort, sorry, to edify, to exhort, to comfort, to examine. At least not whole purpose, but at least a significant amount of it goes towards that. Why did I come to all that today? We're looking at the encounters of Oh, sorry, the redemption of uh, the children of Israel. Today we'll look at some encounters. Look at Exodus chapter 7 today. And we'll learn some important lessons. And let's read from verse 1, one, one, one onwards. And before we read verse 1, uh, go to, uh, ex, not 17, Exodus chapter 7. Okay, Exodus chapter 6 and the last verse, last two verses and then we'll go to 7. Then the Lord, last two verses, yeah. Uh, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord, speak to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and uh, all that I say to you. And what does Moses say? But Moses said before the Lord, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips, and how shall Pharaoh heed me? He says, Lord, I myself, I am uncircumcised in my lips. In other words, what? Control nahi how will Pharaoh? That he comes to a point where he has his honest, uh, what do you say? Oh yeah, an, uh, understanding of, him, of himself. We are all people of uncircumcised lips, unclean lips. And God has to touch it. Before he can wrought deliverance in our lives and in the lives of those people who, to whom we witness. Not just in through, through preaching, but through our lives. Because when they when they listen to the words that come out of our mouth. Isn't it interesting? When Jesus go, goes to, uh, to Nazareth, right? After he, uh, after the encounter that he has in the wilderness, uh, he goes and what is given to him? The scroll is given to him. He goes to the synagogue and the scroll is given to him and he reads from Isaiah chapter 61. He just reads. And after he reads, he ends and he says, today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. Has he does, uh, done any expository preaching? No. You know what people say? They are amazed at the gracious words that have come out of his mouth. And I was wondering, how come? You know what? You could read. And there's a lot of difference when people read. Some people read when they read, Are, what is he reading? When some people read, it's as if, it's like gracious words coming out of his mouth. Have you seen some people when they read the word? Just reading the word? They don't have to do any exposition. When they read the pausings and the way the expression, the tenor, the way they give respect to the word of God itself is a message. Isn't it? That is the reason why ultimately that the woman in Zarephath will say, now I know that you are a man of God and the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. That's a very interesting thing. Because if we cannot have control over our own lips and our tongue, well, well then, 
That is the reason why slow to speak quick to hear. Okay, even though we've been staying with each other for quite quite a long time, we don't speak so much of trash, do we? We don't, thank God. It's a good practice. Yeah, we'll have to carry this forward. So, he says, I'm a man of uncircumcised lips, unclean lips. Okay, good, good acknowledgement before something significant is going to happen now. Till now, nothing has happened because not only the, uh, the people have to be prepared, even the messenger has to be prepared. So the first thing what happened was, you see the entire chapter 6 was things getting worse than getting better. 5 and 6, that's exactly what happened. Things got worse. Now, things will change. Let's read from Exodus chapter 7, verse 1 onwards. So the Lord said to Moses, I love this. With the moment he says, I'm a man of uncircumcised lips, what did the Lord say to Moses? See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. Whoa! And Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. Let's move on. Read. Let's read. Um, and what will, I, what will I do? And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land. But Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people. Okay. My armies? My people. So, who are the armies? 600,000 men. Armies. Plus the people. The children of Israel. Out of the land of Egypt. By great judgments. And then, verse 5. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. Then Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded them, so they did. And some interesting detail is given. What is the detail? Moses was (laughs) 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Can you believe this? This is what we call as the foolishness of God. Who are these? 80 year and 83 year old servants of God, prophets of God, soldiers of God, whatever you want to call it. Soldier, you have a imagination when you think about soldier, strong, biceps, six pack, with with commanding a huge army. No, 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 no. This is the point where all the wisdom of the wisdom of the Egyptians and everything has come to a, a standstill. I want to miss just make two points over here before I go. The details of Moses and age uh, of and Aaron's ages are given. Why? To make the most important point of all that God uses the weak things of this world to confound the strong, and the foolish things of the world to confront the wise. So that no flesh should glory in his presence. That's the whole purpose of this. It starts there. The deliverance of Israel starts from this verse. With this detail. Verse 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 23 to 25. For those people who do not know it. But we preach what? Christ crucified. My goodness. God crucified. That is going to be your great message. 
The foolishness of the message which is being preached is what? Christ crucified. To the Jews, Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, foolishness. Because you know how, how Greek, Greek gods are like. Even our, our gods are, have, have changed. When we know our gods, um, I mean, our people in our country, the gods that they worship. When I was a child, the depictions of these gods, and now, after having grown up for several years, the depiction of these gods. Now, all these gods have a six-pack. Have you know? Do, do you know those gods who were depicted? The same gods who were depicted when we were kids? How they were? Did they have six-pack those days? Ah, exactly. They had pot bellies then or six-pack now. Kya baat hai? Okay. <laughs> it's, 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 it's very interesting. Okay. So the, that is to the Greeks foolishness. Foolishness. This is God. Absolute foolishness. That is where this entire message starts. It starts with the foolishness of preaching Christ crucified. But to those who are called, both Greeks and Jews, Christ the power of God and wisdom of God and and the next word will say, what do you expect? Because or for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. That is exactly how he starts now. Confront, confront the wisdom of those wise. Point number two. Point number one is God uses the weak things of this world. Another point I want to make, okay? Deuteronomy 34 verse 7. <coughs> Moses was 120 years old when he died. 80 years when he started his ministry. 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Now you need to ask this question. Why did his eyes not dim? Why did his natural vigor uh, vigor not diminish? Why? If I were to ask you this question. What? Why? What do you think were the reasons for his natural vigor and his eyes not to get dim or uh, get diminished? Why? Dim or diminished. Why? Exactly. I'm going to give you an A for the day. We're going to have a party. The whole purpose of Moses' ministry, his ministry was to take the entire people to the promised land. You understand? So it tells me this. If God has called you, I think he will sufficiently strengthen you and equip you till you finish your calling. So it doesn't matter when you start. That's a tremendous hope for all of us. When do you think John wrote his epistles? When he was young or when he was old? Oh, he was old! His gospel is considered to be the, the, not the late, not the earliest, but the latest. I mean, latest in terms of, at least it was 30 or 40 years late than the original gospels, which are in the earliest gospels, the synoptic gospels as we call them. Okay. And then Revelation, when he wrote, when he was very, very old, but the best work came. That is the reason why in first, second Corinthians chapter one verse nine, it's a, it's a, it's a hope for all of us. So just, just because you were called, let's say when you were old, don't ever lose heart. Okay. Are you, I wasted all my life. If God were called, God, God has called you, he will sufficiently equip you and you will not die one day before your purpose is finished. One day, if you have a purpose, 
And if you are living, for all things work together for the for those for those who are the called according to His purpose, right? Who for those who love God and who are the called according to His purpose. So if you are called and if there's a purpose of God in your life, one day before that you will not die, unless like Moses, you mess it up with your own foolishness. Okay. Yes, we have the sentence of death on ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. So when we begin to trust God, we know that whatever situations that we might go through, oh boy, that is the reason why Paul says, right, who can separate us? He doesn't say what can separate us. Who can separate us from the love of God? Can all these things? No way. And he's so sure. He's so sure. Okay. So, that is the first lesson that we learn. Okay. God uses the foolish things of this world and when he strengthens you sufficiently, he equips you. If God has called you for a particular purpose, he will equip you for that purpose. It is impossible for God to call you to a particular ministry and not gift you in that ministry. Otherwise, where is the whole point of doing a ministry without uh, without, without uh, his strength? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, please, before we finish this point. 1 Peter chapter 4. Are we there? And it says in chapter 4 verse 8 onwards, Above all... <clears throat> And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If one speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability or with the strength that God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified. That means whatever ministry, God has to give you a particular ability. Without that ability, he is not going to give you. For example, Peter is gifted in music. Without that gift, do you think we will be, we will be like, (laughs) we will be struggling to go through the entire process of worship, no? Right? But it becomes such a smooth exercise because God has given him, given, given him that gift. Okay, that gift of worship, gift of leading people into the presence of God. And every ministry God calls you, he will equip you. It's impossible for to do it. Otherwise, if you think that you are qualified for the service, boy, sorry. <laughs> we are, we are of the, we are to be the most pitiable of all people. Okay. Okay. So, so that's the first thing which we'll learn. So let's go back now. Um, from from now on, the encounter starts. Okay, uh, today's teaching title I called it "Encounters of a Spiritual Kind." What did I say? Okay, for people who are movie buffs, you know exactly why I named it that way. Hmm? It is not encounters of a strange kind; encounters of a spiritual kind. Okay, so first encounter number one, Exodus chapter seven, verse eight <coughs> onwards. The war is won or lost in the first encounter. You know that? Okay. Pharaoh loses the war in the first encounter itself. He's defeated in the very first encounter. You need to understand this. Let me prove that to you. Let's move on. Okay. Exodus chapter 7 verse 8 to 9. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When Sparrow's, when, not Sparrow, Pharaoh speaks to you, Saying, show a miracle for yourselves. Then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod 
and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. Chalo. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and they did so. Now you'll see, this, after this we'll start the judgments on Egypt. Okay, there are ten judgments. The last judgment we know is the judgment of the firstborn. Before that, there are nine judgments, very clearly divided into groups of three. Three, three, three. Okay. Alright. We will not look at, we will possibly will look at all of them, if God permits and God is willing and gives us opportunities to share. But, the first, first, this is not a sign by the way, this is just not a sign, this is not a sign, okay, this is not a judgment. This is an encounter which something incredible is going to happen, which will decide the outcome of the rest of the signs. Okay, let us see. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and they did so just as the Lord commanded and Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became a serpent. And then, but, but Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their the word for enchantment, secret arts, dark arts. Okay, we don't have any dark arts in Christendom. We had revelation. We have mysteries, but not dark. We have revelations. That is the reason why Jesus says, "I have spoke to you, spoken to you openly, nothing in secret." And He tells the disciples, "What I give you the revelation in secret, you go and declare it openly." Secret arts, uh, enchanters, like pastor keeps saying, no, the enchanters, they have to go to such, so, so, those secret places to get magic powers from the occult, by doing occult and all. God is a, a God who gives us freely all things. Our heart has to be right with God. That's all. Look at what he says. But Pharaoh also called the wise men. And so for every man threw down his rod and they became serpents. But, Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods and Pharaoh's heart grew hard. The first encounter is the most significant of all. What does God do? He defeats the powers of darkness by disarming them first. He literally swallows up the power of the enemy in the very first encounter. For the enchanters and the soothsayers, the rod was everything. For Moses, it was not the rod per se. It was God who was everything. It is called the rod of God. But if God is not there, that rod is as good as nothing. But for the, for the enchanters and the soothsayers, the rod is everything. If the rod is gone, everything is gone. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15. You know it very well. What does it say? Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them. Isn't it interesting? When when uh, uh, David encounters Goliath, you know what he says? You come with me with your sword and the spear and the javelin etc. I come to you in the name of the what does he have? He has a rod, he has a staff and he has stones. And he says, I am going to cut off your head 
and I'm going to give your body to the birds of the air and to the fowls of the How does he say that? You know what? After hitting him on the head, he takes his own sword and chops off his head. That is what we call as disarming the enemy. That is how he defeats the powers of darkness. He disarms them. Okay, And having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Okay, So the ultimate enemy for all of us is who? Ah, not just death. You're all looking at me. See? See, see, so many times we have heard, this, heard that uh, teaching. It is not death, but the fear of death. Okay, let's go to Hebrews chapter 2 now. What did Moses' rod do? Aaron's rod do? It swallowed up. Let's see. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might, he didn't uh, get swallowed by death, he just tasted death. You know what tasting is, right? Ah, okay, I know what death is like. How is mango? I just take one piece. Ah, I know what mango is like. He tasted death for everyone. Verse 14 now. Same chapter. Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their time, lifetime subject to bondage. So what did he do first? Turn to Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6 onwards. Look at this. This is beautiful. Verse 6 onwards. Isaiah chapter 25, verse 6 onwards. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces. Oh boy. A feast of wines on the lees. Of fat, things full of marrow. That's exactly what we get fed every day. Almost. Of well-refined wines on the lees. And he will destroy on this mountain. What does the first verse 6 talk about? What is it a picture of? Feast, wine, marrow. What is it, Baba? Huh? Eating what? What do we eat? Teaching, no? Okay. And he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast, surface of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. And then, was. He will swallow up death forever. So first thing, what did he do? Moses' rod swallowed up. The most powerful of the enemy's weapons is the fear of death. He swallowed it up. First shot. One shot gone. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 54 onwards. Look at what it says. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortality and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then, next verse. O death, where is your sting? 
Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. He swallowed everything by dying. He removed the handwriting of ordinances and he disarmed every principality and power of darkness and made them into a public spectacle. They can, they are being defanged as we keep uh, hearing all the time. Defanged. Okay. What, what, where does the snake have poison in its fangs? That has been defanged. What else does it have now? No more. It only can scare you, but it cannot kill you. It's gone. The sting is gone. Okay. Death is swallowed up. That's the reason why if they would have known the principalities and powers of darkness would have known this, what they would have not done, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. (laughs) You see how incredibly intelligent God was? He first defanged and disarmed them. And what happens to Pharaoh? When he sees that, he he hardens his heart. A danger for all of us when a sign happens, when your powers have been taken away, what do you do? Do you humble yourself? When you have been humbled, what do you do? Do you humble yourself? No. Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. You know, it's several times it says Pharaoh hardened his heart and then it also says the Lord hardened his heart, which is true. Both. Don't say the Lord hardened his heart because Pharaoh hardened. No, 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 no. Don't say those things. Nothing of those conclusions should come to, nothing of those kinds of conclusions you have to come to. The Lord hardened his heart. He also hardened his heart. So Pharaoh was working in partnership with God to harden his heart, essentially. That's how I look at it, no? So don't do that. Is a point. 95 verses 6 to 11. 95 verses 6 to 11. By this time you should know what 95 means. Yeah, thank you. Come together. Oh, Psalm 95, okay. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, what should you not do? Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And let us go to Hebrews chapter 3. Something very interesting is given. A very strange detail. Hebrews chapter 3 verses 7 onwards. Therefore, everybody, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Okay. The most important thing for all of us is how we respond to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Why? When he, the spirit of spirit of God comes, what will he do? He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of judgment. Why? Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of judgment because I go, I mean of righteousness because I go to my father and I am seated at the right hand of the father and I am interceding for, for you. So you do never have to be worried about your righteousness. You have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus. Third, of judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Alright, so look at this now. What are the most important attributes we should have or not have in order to keep a soft heart? 
One thing, value the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He says, he has been given as an earnest of our inheritance. Who's given it? Who's been given? The Spirit of the Lord has been given as an earnest of our inheritance. And the danger, and the danger is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 6. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Who is restraining then? The Spirit of God is restraining. That is the reason why it says where there is no vision, ah, people cast off all restraint. Where there is no vision means where there is no revelation. Actually, other translations will use the word. Where there is no revelation. 29, 18. 29.18, please see that. 29.18, if I'm right. That's how I remember it. 2, nine, two times 9 is 18. Yeah. So 29.18, Proverbs. Where there is no revelation. Who gives revelation? Lord grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So where there is no revelation, verse 18 will say of Proverbs chapter 29, the people cast off restraint. So the most, what is restraining us? Is a revelation given to us by the Holy Spirit. And who is the revelation? The revelation is the church. When the church is gone, the Holy Spirit is gone. And if the restraining influences are gone, and what will happen? There's only the, the, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition will be revealed. And there is nothing else in our lives to make us to come to a point of conviction. It's not going to happen. So we have to be very careful with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let us keep asking God, Lord, Lord, Lord. Like David says, Lord, okay, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Boy, what a prayer. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Very, very, very important. So what are the things that we should not do with him? Because he's a person. First, you know it. Let's go in some kind of a chronological order. Acts chapter 5. We know this very well. We learnt it in several studies, but we will learn it once again to remind ourselves. The word of God is always fresh every day. Hmm? Acts chapter 5. And let's, let's read from 1 onwards. Isn't it interesting how it starts? What is the starting word? But a man. There was Barnabas. This is contrasting Barnabas con- completely. It's not that is, but there was a man, not like Barnabas, in other words. Okay. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it and brought it and uh, brought uh, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Next verse. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the who? The first thing you should not do. When you are convicted, don't lie. How do we lie? Turn to 1 John, chapter 1. Verse 8 onwards. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say, we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his truth and his word is not in us. Isn't it interesting? When the first century church started, people were judged for lying to the Holy Spirit in that they were judged because they gave. And when Joshua entered into the promised land, Achan was judged because he took. Both are dangerous. That guy took, this guy gave. God is not looking at the act, he is looking at the heart. Achan took and he, he knew it very well that defeat was because of him. But isn't it interesting? One, they call all tribes. One tribe is gone. Oh, so 11 tribes are filtered out. Tribe of Judah remains. Then one tribe, one family, one family, one family, that, that family. That family, all other families, then Achan's family. But still that fellow doesn't come out and say anything. He doesn't come and fall at the apostle's feet. Oh sorry, at Joshua's feet. It's dangerous. So don't lie to him. What was he saying? He was lying. I did not do it. Look ma, no hands. You know that, no? Look ma, no hands. But you are caught with the <laughs> thing in your hand. What are you doing? <laughs> okay, just literally caught with the thing in your hand. I don't know. I don't know how it, how it came here. I don't know. Don't lie to him. Second, it says, let's go back to uh, Acts chapter 5. Okay. Before we go to Acts chapter 5, a powerful verse, you know, which, which, which frightens me a lot. Psalm 7 verse 14. 7 verse 14. If you can put it in two different, two, three different translations. NASB, ESV and NKJV. Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood. ESV. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil, is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. Oh! It's crazy. <laughs> wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and brings forth lies. That's exactly what both Ananias and Safira did together. Because you cannot conceive without a partner, isn't it? <laughs> very very clear over here. Let's see. Let's go back to Acts chapter 5. Sorry, five, yeah, verse uh, 5 onwards. And when Ananias heard these words, fell down, breathed his last, so great fear came upon all those who heard these things and the young man arose, wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Uh, object lesson for all the young men over there, okay? Uh, fellows, the guy falls dead, all the young men come, come trembling. Mama, they'll just, you know, wrap up the thing and go, what an object lesson for young men to learn. So learn all the lessons and if you're a young man, if you're a wise young man, learn from Ananas, in other words. And then don't get married to Safira. Is the next lesson. It's, it's very clear, very clear. I'm not, I'm not lying. Young men have to learn these two lessons. Don't be like Ananias, don't get married to Safira. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened. She did not know. 
Peter answered, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. Can you imagine? She doesn't even know that she has become a wicked, so she has become a widow. She lost her covering, literally. It's gone. Okay. Yes, for so much, she said. And then look at this next verse. Peter said to her, how is it that you have? You know what the word for agreed is? Huh? Huh? No, yeah, that is Symphoneo. That is the word. You symphonied with your husband. Together, what did you do? You tested the Holy Spirit of the Lord. So don't lie to him. Don't test him. You know how you test him? By agreeing together in conceiving lies and bringing, conceiving mischief and bringing forth lies. I'll tell you something. That's the reason why don't marry a Safira. When Ananias did it, Safira should have said, hey, this is not right. We don't do these things. That's what Lot's wife should have said. The first time they were taken away captive. You know, Habi, we did a great mistake by leaving that, that man's house. We should go back. Nothing of that sort. And therefore, scripture says, remember Lot's wife and Safira's wife. Sorry, Ananias wife, Safira. Please remember her also. Can you imagine a husband and a wife who have got such kind of a transparency, they can agree together to do the wrong thing. I have seen so many couples, they agree together to do the wrong thing, but they never agree together to do the right thing. It's very interesting. In, in my 12 years in the church, I have seen husband and wife who agree together to do the wrong thing. What do they do? They conceive mischief and they bring forth lies. 714. Blessed is a man who has a partner. Or, I'm not partner. Partner is a horrible word. Who's a, who has a, who has a wife who will gently confront him. And blessed is a woman who has a husband who will gently confront her when you're not doing the right thing according to the word of God. Don't say, this is not done. We don't do these kinds of things. We don't do these kinds of things. Especially if you're a man, have strong convictions so that you can lead your home. How do you agree together to test the Lord? You agree together with the enemy to test the Holy Spirit. Be very careful. That is the reason why what accord has Christ with Belial. How can you be unequally yoked with unbelievers? If you are unequally yoked, it's gone. Even before you have started the battle, you've lost it. Don't lie. Don't test. Don't symphonio in lies. It is cacophony in heavens. It's maybe it sounds like a symphony on earth, but it is absolute confusion in heavens. Your covering is gone.
So don't, what did I say? Hmm? Don't lie to him. Don't test him. And then third thing, Acts chapter 7, verse 51 onwards. Yeah, thank you. Yes. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always presses the Holy Spirit as your father did, so do you do. This is after Stephen has given this incredible uh, message, no? And I, I, I believe, I remember Warren Wearsby, uh, fantastic, uh, he, he made a fantastic observation, okay? The observation he made was this. When the Jewish people had John the Baptist coming and preaching to them, repent when the kingdom of, the kingdom of God is here, it, it, it says, scripture says, there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. So when they rejected John's message and when they had him, uh, uh, you know, beheaded, they were resisting God the Father. Right? When they crucified Jesus Christ on the cross, they were resisting God the Son. When they stoned Stephen, they were resisting. After that is going over for them. That is the reason why he says, any sin that you commit against the Father or the Son, you can be okay. But if you come against something against the Holy Spirit, be very, very, very careful. Neither on this, nor there, you will be forgiven. Person of the Holy Spirit is gentle. Let us ask God for the gift of the fear of God. You should go into a silent closet of prayer and say, Lord, give me a grant me fear. Most important for young men. This what what happens to this young men? They they bury that the same that same day two bodies they bury. Two object lessons they have learned. Not to be like Ananias, not to get married to Safira. Learn. Learn not to test, not to lie. Young people have to learn the fear of God. And it will keep them from sinning. It is a fear of God which keeps you from sinning. That is the reason why it says don't fear, but fear. Exodus chapter 20 verse 20, no? Exodus chapter don't fear, but fear. So that the fear of God can come come upon you so that you should not sin against him. Ask God. Ask God. Alright. Third, don't resist him. How do you resist him? By resisting the message. Keep on resisting. The message keeps on coming, 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 coming with conviction, with conviction, with conviction, with conviction. You resist and you resist and you resist. Over. It's up. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 27 onwards. 28 onwards, please. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 28 onwards. No? But after they had dressed, they again did evil before you. Who are these people? The children of Israel. Therefore you left them in the la- in the hand of their enemies. So that they had dominion over them. Yet when they turned and cried out to you, you heard them from heaven. And many times you delivered them according to your mercies. And then what happens? Verse, ne- verse uh, 20 29. And testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and they did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks and would not hear. And verse 30, very interesting. Yet for many years, you had patience with them. You testified against them by your spirit in your prophets. Yet they would not listen to them. 
they resisted the message of the prophets. That is, whenever you resist the prophetic message, that is the reason why I started the uh, started the, the the sermon today. The prophetic message has got three parts, four parts. What did I say? It has got edification, it has got exhortation, it has got comfort, it has got examination, and then and then and then I also said Moses was God to Pharaoh, and Aaron was his prophet. And what what happened when uh, Moses uh, when uh, Pharaoh rejected the word? He was rejecting the prophet, the spirit of the prophet. He was rejecting the wings of the Holy Spirit. It's a type. It's a type. It's a type. Okay. So don't test him. Don't lie to him. Don't resist his message, especially the message of conviction. There's no condemnation. There's only conviction. Once you bring it out to light and you repent of your sins, you do not know the kind of freedom you can enjoy. You will be able to enjoy freedom. That's what the scripture says. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? What, what more do you want? It, it is just not, it is just not out of experience. It is objective. It is given there in the scriptures and you apply it in your life and you'll see the freedom that you can enjoy. Don't resist him. Especially don't resist the messages. The problem is with our generation is that we don't like one message. You immediately shut down that. We don't have to kill the messenger. You can go and choose from the bouquet and the buffet. Sorry, not bouquet. The buffet of messengers that we have today. I don't like this person here. So what we do is very interesting. Okay, we will go to and we will go and listen to some preachers who are good. But if they don't agree with us, we will quit. We'll go to somebody else. And if we accept some parts of him and we reject some parts of him, we accept some parts of him and we reject some parts of him. So whenever this will not agree, we'll say, okay, that, that person said, for example, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Okay. Some people, I don't want to name names because I'm not a great man. Some people say you should not pay tithes. Tithes is in the old covenant. Okay. So you don't want to give your tithes. Not because you don't want, because you are having so many other priorities in your life. You will say, oh, you know what that person said? That great man of God. You know what he said? You don't have to pay tithes. So you will, but scripture very clearly says, can you man, can you, can a man rob God? So if you rob, how do you rob God? By not paying your tithes. And what did Abraham do? Did he pay tithes when he was circumcised or before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? Before he was circumcised. And it says, Levites who eat the tithes, who are actually supposed to, people who are supposed to take the tithes, they pay tithes in Abraham. That's what Hebrew says. When Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, who's Melchizedek? A type of Jesus Christ. When Abraham, or Abraham, before he was circumcised, paid tithes to Jesus Christ, we are also children of Abraham and who is our father, I mean, who is our savior, he is, our, he is Jesus Christ himself, right? So when we are giving tithes, whom are, whom are we giving to Christ, right? We are not living in the old covenant, right? So they will not like that message. So they will say, no, 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 we don't like this. I am just giving an example. So they will selectively choose. They will selectively resist the message. When that person is, he says, okay, you don't have to pay tithes, you have to give more than tithes. They will not give more than tithe. They will only take parts here and they selectively choose part from here, part from here, part from here and part from here and they will make a say, oh, that person said it. Yo. 
என்னடா மச்சா காட் இஸ் மார்க்ட் நாட் மார்க்ட் யூ ஆர் டிசீவிங் யுவர் ஓன் செல்ஃப் டோன்ட் ரெசிஸ்ட் த மெசேஜ் இஃப் இட்ஸ் ட்ரபிளிங் யூ இட்ஸ் குட் இஃப் இட்ஸ் கம்ஃபர்டிங் யூ அண்ட் மேக்கிங் யூ கம்ஃபர்டபிள் இன் யுவர் சின் Oh, dangerous. Run for your life. I remember Pastor Carter Conlon preaching that message, no? Run for your life. Wherever is a message which is keeping you comfortable in your sin and saying, comfortable in your compromised life. Run for your life. That is not the place for you to be in. Don't test him. Don't lie to him. Don't resist him. How do you resist him? By resisting the message. that is the reason why it says in thessalonians when the word of god came to you you did not receive it as the word of man but as it were in the truth the word of god which has got the power to work in those who believe that's all don't resist the message excuse me don't lie to him don't resist him so don't test him don't resist him fourth one don't grieve him ephesians chapter 4 was 29 onwards now we'll took look at both uh, normal kjv nkjv and message okay i like message also very interesting let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification i like that so that super super no what is good for necessary edification hmm? that it may impart grace to the hearers what a sentence that is boss is 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 it amazing look at what it says let not any corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is necessary good for necessary edification so when i'm speaking words of edification let's say to sammy what i'm imparting to him no 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 grace wow and what does grace of god teach us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lusts i'm imparting grace can you imagine the power that god has given us when we open our mouth for for necessary edification that we are able to impart grace to one another have you ever thought about conversations like that challenge to all of us the conversations that you have with one another that is the reason why in malachi chapter 3 verse 16 it says the, the, a book of remembrance was written because god was listening to their conversations and a book of remembrance and it says those who feared god conversing with were were, were conversing with one another and a book of remembrance was written uh, was uh, was uh, recorded was 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 written yeah book of remembrance you know why because they were imparting grace to one another because they were speaking so those things which are good for necessary edification what a tremendous truth to learn and to be challenged with what a tremendous truth i am stunned sometimes when the holy when the holy spirit gives such incredible incredible verses necessary edification i imagine it right for example when i'm peter and i are conversing with one another or the dr richard and i are conversing with one another and we are edifying one another what are we imparting to each other wow can you imagine that my dear brothers and sisters the holy spirit comes he is called the spirit of grace and what we are imparting to one another the spirit of grace we are strengthening one another and when we strengthen one another we are imparting grace and we need the power of god's grace to overcome sin don't we 
because we are no longer under law but under grace. Think about those statements. Think about those statements. And then he says that that it may impart grace to one another and it says, no, it says and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit of God? When you do not speak words which impart grace to one another, you grieve the Holy Spirit of God. By whom we are sealed for the day of redemption. Is a very, very, very solemn warning and also an encouraging thing for us. That we as believers have the power to bless and impart grace to others. That is the reason why it says, let your words be seasoned with salt and full of grace. Salt is important. Salt burns, no? But it also imparts grace, no? Some people, some people don't even have to say one word. Their very life will impart grace to you. Hmm? So how do you grieve it? By not speaking words which will impart grace to one another. And then go next verse. Verse 31. Look at the next verse. It's all talking about conversation. Okay, Verse 31 bro. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. You see, all about words, words, words. But be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. As God forgiving? No. As God in Christ forgive you. Can you now go to message? No? Message Bible from 4, 4.30 onwards. I like the message translation. It's very interesting, the message translation. Somebody uh, was speaking. Uh, watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. Aha! Can you imagine this? This is message translation. I liked it. Okay. Uh, people will get upset when, uh, when I say message translation, but you read commentaries, right? Um, so, you go, see so this commentator said that, that commentator said that. Okay, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, so based upon, if you have the we have the authority of the commentator, the authority of Eugene Peterson. Okay, who wrote the message translation, by the way? Look at the next verse. Don't grieve. Don't break us. Oh, I love that. When you, I, I liked it. Don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit. So when you grieve the Holy Spirit, what do you do? You break His heart. You grieve God. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for Himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. I like that translation. Oh, don't take those things for granted. Please, please, please guard it with all of your heart. Especially by watching the way you... See, you know what lips are? Lips are a doorway to your words. Lips are a doorway to your words. So, zip your lip basically aim that let nothing come out of your mouth. What did Moses say? I am a man of uncircumcised lips. That means my lips were not separated unto you. In other words, that's what it means. Now what is he saying to God? He's saying, Lord, I give you control over my lips. 
That means I give your spirit the complete control when to open my mouth and when not to open my mouth. Slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to get angry. Isn't it a powerful testimony for all of us, my dear brothers, in these last days? Watch the way you talk. In other words, record it sometimes and see how you're talking to one another. It's, it's important. Because if God is going to put a book of, a book of remembrance, better you know how we are talking to each other now. Because so many words are spoken, my dear brothers. So many words. How many of you can honestly, how many of us can honestly testify if God were to judge us for every idle word spoken that we will not have even a single idle word? Do we have circumcised lips or uncircumcised lips? Don't grieve God. Don't break His heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. You know why? Because the Spirit of God searches the deep things of God. Who can understand the heart of God except the Spirit of God? And therefore, if you have to speak the words using which the Holy Spirit gives us, then you better be careful not to break God's heart. And we break God's heart by not watching the way we talk. Okay. You have to just stop here for a minute now. Just think, let the impact of the statement hit me. I'm getting hit. I'm saying, Lord, so many times I just make a mess of my conversations. And the next verse. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Look at this translation, man. Isn't it awesome? Be gentle with one another. Sensitive. Forgiving one another as quickly and as thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. You can take those words and put them as a thing on your, in, your, in your Bible. Really awesome words. Profane talk, unholy talk, common talk. Profane means just not necessary that you are speaking bad language. Profanity. If you are speaking something which is common and not holy. Profanity means something which is common. You have taken holy things and make it as common things. That is the reason why he says, how can out of the same mouth, salt water can come and clean water can come, bitter and sweet? No, my dear brothers, he says. Let the work of God. Let God do a deep work in all of us. So don't lie to him. Don't test him. Don't resist him. Don't grieve him. And then fifth one, don't quench him. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Finished one word. The point is, how do we quench him? Don't let the Holy Spirit be put out in other words. Okay, don't let it be put out. Okay, I was trying to understand this a lot. How do we do it? Okay. Matthew chapter 5. So sorry, not 5, 25. Matthew chapter 25, verses 11 onwards, if I'm right. Yeah. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, no, 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 no. Verse uh, 6, 8, uh, so, sorry, 6 onwards, 6 onwards. So 5, 5 onwards. And at midnight, a cry was heard. And while the bridegroom delayed, okay, this is the, Foolish and the wise virgins, okay? 
they all slumbered and slept. This is Matthew chapter 5, 25 verse 5. And this is talking about the 10 virgins, 5 virgins which are wise and 5 virgins which are foolish. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. And then look at Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are... Now what the word for going got? Quenched. That's what it means. Lamps are... Going out. So the question is, let me ask you all this question. How do we quench the Holy Spirit then? But not by not having <laughs> sufficient oil. Simple. It says, do not be, go to Ephesians, no. Ephesians, Ephesians, Ephesians. Chapter 5. Hmm. Chapter 5, verse 17. Okay. That's as clear as day. Okay. Uh, ESV. If you can. Please put it in ESV. Therefore, do not be... What kind of virgins were there? Foolish virgins. So, very same word. Same word. Okay? The same word. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, let me tell you something. If you are not in every day of your life trying to understand what the will of the Lord is for your life, you are being foolish. Because ultimately what matters is the will of God. You know, I was listening to Brother Zach Poonan's uh, song you know, the other day. One of the lines he says, Lord, I do not want to live for my will anymore. I mean, that's a very fantastic, I mean, a very simple song. What a line. I've come to a point, Lord, where I do not want to live for my will anymore. I want to live for your will and your will alone. I'll tell you something. You want anointing? Right? We want anointing, right? Anointing meaning what? Essentially the anointed word. Essentially, that's what it is, right? Oil means anointing word is anointed word. How do we have the anointing in our lives? Simple. If anyone wills to do his will, then he will? No. How do I I come to the conclusion that by doing this, I have come to the conclusion that that I have anointing. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2 verse 27. We know it very well. 1 John chapter 2 verse 27. But the anointing that you have received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone teach should teach you. But as the, his anointing teaches you, you, uh, you about everything. And is true and is no lie. Just as it has taught you, abide in him. What does the anointing do? It will teach you. That means you will know. Okay, you will know. So, John 17, 7, 17 says what? If anyone wills to do his will, he will? No. You see that? That means he will know what the will of God is. That means he has what? Anointing. Simple. Okay. So, 
by how do we have this anointing? Let's go back to yeah, five seventeen. Yeah, Ephesians five seventeen. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So at least we know three wills. One will which uh, we all know is uh, this thing, one will which I want to re-emphasize. You no, know, before we go there uh, to this, turn to First Peter, First Peter, chapter three or two. Oh. Excuse me. Hold on. Uh, bro, just can you give me my Bible? Bro? This is this is my latest Bible, so I'll know my latest markings. Okay. First Peter chapter two. And verse 15. Yeah. Thank you. For this is the will of God. That by doing good. You should put to silence. The ignorance of foolish men. Now how does verse 15 start? For. That means something is there preceding it. Now verse 13 onwards. Be subject. Okay, you know how to build of God, no? What is the will of God? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Like pastor said something very powerful yesterday. He said, the covering is important. Whenever, whenever you're coming under sub, subjection, you're coming under covering. And when you come under covering, you know what it says? How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. For it is like the Anointing oil. Anointing oil. Flowing from Aaron's head through his beard to all the brothers. For there the Lord has commanded a blessing, even life forevermore. How good and pleasant it is for us to dwell together. For there the Lord pours out a blessing, even life forevermore. What a song that is. It is at the, it's when you come under headship and when we all are connected in unity to the head, everybody knows his proper place in the body of Christ. My dear brothers and sisters, you will be filled with anointing. I didn't say that. Scripture says that. So that is the reason why be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, where it be to the emperor or as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God. For this is the will of God that by coming under subjection you will put to silence or by doing good, you would put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. One more place maybe. Uh, if I can find it. Let me just see if I can find it. First Peter only. Chapter Excuse me? Huh? Yeah, uh, chapter 4. 
and verse 11 ankuntra and let me see ah uh, 316 is also there no this for this is the will of god eh ah yeah so yeah exactly sorry sorry 317 yeah for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be god's will than for doing you okay and then finally uh, okay let's I, i'll i'll get back to you on that actually uh, yeah yeah yes yes 317 thank you 317 it's it for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be god's will than for doing evil so you these are the wills of god let's go back let's go back let's go back to uh, efficiency chapter 5 verse uh, 17 onwards no yeah esp okay therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is do not be drunk with wine first thing we should not do is what do not be drunk with wine not wine could be anything that means wine is stands for what pleasure okay you not people are not necessarily high on alcohol all the time they are high on shopping for example they have a hangover after shopping are you know you know what is the antidote for hangover generally another am i right doctor <laughs> i mean not i'm not pointing out towards you i understand because you deal with uh, <laughs> the antidote for hangover is another another it's a continuum almost eternal okay that is the antidote for that is the reason these guys can never seem to come out of it if they are addicted to it so don't be drunk with wine and wine could be anything so you are if the antidote for shopping hangover is more shopping the very fact that it cannot satisfy you in other words and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery but be filled with the holy spirit okay but be filled with therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the lord is and live for the will of the lord understand and live for the will of the lord then you will have a complete and how do you be filled with the holy spirit now let's read that addressing one another or speaking to one another i told you right whenever you speak to one another what do you administer to each other grace singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the lord in your heart always 318 colossians Oh, sorry, three eighteen, three sixteen. Yeah, the, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the spirit of God dwell in you richly. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. You see, this is what we did. What did the virgins not have? They did not have anointing. That means they did not have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Both. and therefore what happened it was quenched over it's a slow process you see you, you need to understand quenching doesn't happen in a day that's the reason why it says did you receive the holy spirit by the hearing of faith or by the working of the law works of the law no it it was by the hearing of faith he who supplies the spirit and works miracles among you does he do that with the works of the law or by the hearing of faith 
It is by the hearing which comes from faith. And he says, if even as you see that day approaching, gather together daily so that you can have more and more anointing. And you'll see that the people in whose lives the Holy Spirit is quenched, they slowly, one by one by one, they keep on missing, 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 missing in one meeting after the other. And over a period of time, they don't have the sufficient word to sustain them anymore. It's over. Let me tell you something. Listening to sermons online will not give you the anointing. It might give you understanding. It is in the presence of the believers where God has placed you is where the Lord has commanded a blessing of the anointing. Don't, un- don't underestimate these things. Don't underestimate these things. Oh, because I have so many anointed messages online. Okay, they are anointed and they are speaking to their churches. They are getting the anointing. You are only getting understanding, not anointing. Maybe some knowledge. Understand these, dear brothers. These are some very, very important truths. It is the apostles' doctrine and what? Next, fellowship. Simple basics. So, don't lie to him, don't resist him, don't test him, don't grieve him, don't quench him. So, how do you not quench him? (laughs) Gather together as much as you can. And pray to God for your teachers who are teaching you. So that they will have the word to teach you in season. So that you can be blessed. These are not for an independent program that I am the one who's uh, who's the only functioning person in the body of Christ. No, everybody is in it together. You understand? So the next one, if all these things happen, you know, finally, verse 6, don't insult him. Sixth part. This is the dangerous part. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10 now. Hebrews people don't want to read because there are so many scary parts and all once saved, always saved kind of technologies will go out of the window. Hmm? I mean, I don't want to say anything. When I, when people show me one part of scripture, I say it is also written. Because, you know, like pastor was saying yesterday, no, it was in the, it was in the soul. Written, also written. Written, also written. Don't come to any conclusion. Written, also written. Don't come to any conclusion. Read the entire Bible. Together. Okay? Okay. Hebrews chapter 10 now. Verse 22 onwards. Okay? Let us draw near. What with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Kya baat hai? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. So what kind of a doctrine would, would do I believe in? I believe in without wavering doctrine. What, what kind of a doctrine I, I believe in? I believe in holding fast doctrine. What kind of a doctrine do I believe in? I believe in clinging to him doctrine. What kind of a doctrine do I believe in? I believe in clinging to sound word doctrine. Doctrine. Hmm. Not Calvinism or Arminism. I don't know any of these two things. But I believe in sound words, clinging, holding fast, all those things. Which is there? In the Holy Scriptures. 
people are so busy <laughs> interpreting. Ayyo, read it, Baba. Just read. Samagranga jadaranu nechkol. Samatulyanga, samagranga. Samayochitanga. Moodu. Tirgo chasun baga. Don't insult. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And then let's go on. Let's move on. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And verse 25 as I said, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then, for if we sin willfully. In other words, if we don't keep drawing together, the danger of us is to fall into sin. That's, it. That's how this word starts. How does it start? Verse 26. For. It's a supporting argument. Who said the Bible, Bible is not logical? Very, very logical. It's a spiritual logic. It's a mind of the spirit. Not human logic. Hmm? For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice of sins. Oh boy, it has to scare us. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fury indignation which will devour the adversaries. And verse 28. Anyone who has rejected Moses' Lord died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. I mean, whenever he puts that, I get scared. Where does, where, it, where does it say, again, two or three witnesses in Matthew chapter 18. If a brother sins against you, go and talk to him. If he doesn't listen to you, tear two or three witnesses. Otherwise, gone. Over. Then verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the Spirit of grace. Don't sin willfully in other words. The thing is that you have become a rebel. I mean nobody comes to this point. You don't care. That's the point. You have just lost all restraints over your life. You don't care. That is the danger. Don't care. I'm, none of us is here for sure. I hope you're not here. If you don't care, I don't care. I mean, some people, a lot of people use this language. No, I don't care. Oh, be very careful, my dear brothers. You have to care, especially for your own soul. Okay. So when you insult the spirit of grace, it has become Ichabod. Finished. The glory of God has departed. Dangerous. That's exactly what happened. They thought they were sinning willfully right in the temple and they thought with those unholy hands they could carry the Ark of the Covenant and God is going to grant them victory. Sorry. Ichabod. The glory of God is departed. So the restrainer will go. And what will happen? The moment the restrainer is taken away, you know what happens? The anointing is gone. The anointed word is gone. And it's only about time when your heart will become hard. So how we deal with the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is one of the most significant, significant 
significant, significant lessons or warnings in scripture. Very, very significant warnings. That is the reason why I call it encounters of a spiritual kind. Whenever the Holy Spirit encounters you, just fall flat on your face. Say, Lord, I don't want to play the fool. And keep yourself. So how do you how do you not allow the restrainer to leave? I'll tell you how you not allow the restrainer to leave from your life. Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 to 4. Having the Spirit of Christ. Then you will have the Spirit of... Then you will have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Spirit of Christ, that means the attitude of Christ. If you have the... What of Christ? Attitude of Christ, then you will have the Spirit of God with you. Because He was filled with the Spirit without measure. Why was He filled with the the Spirit without measure? Isaiah chapter 11 verses 1 to 4. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. And then, <laughs> verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, a sevenfold Holy Spirit will be upon him in full measure. And verse, verse 3, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. That is when you keep the, keep him. And you say, Lord, convict me. I will not take things for granted. When I'm being warned, when I'm being chastened, when I'm being confronted, I will try it. I will humble, not try to humble myself. I will humble myself. Because you give grace only to the humble. God resists the proud. That means the Holy Spirit will resist you. But he gives grace only to the humble. Don't let the restrainer go. Finally, don't provoke him to jealousy. What did I say? Don't provoke him to jealousy. How do you provoke him to jealousy? James chapter 4. Four onwards, yeah. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do not, don't you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Who are therefore wants to be an enemy of the, uh, wants to be a friend of the world, makes himself an enemy of God? Or do you think that scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in you lusteth to envy? Don't provoke him to jealousy. You'll see that uh, in Ezekiel, how the how the spirit keeps leaving the temple. Why? Because there is a there is a, a idol called je- image of jealousy and slowly it removes. That means don't have any other affections other than God in your life. Don't have any other affections other than God. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and let him circumcise you, your heart so that you can love him. How does the Holy Spirit, how does God circumcise you? I'll show you. Turn with me to last verse, Romans chapter 5 and we will stop with... Uh, don't, I don't want to scare you anymore. I am scared myself. But we have to be sufficiently scared in these last days because we are living in perilous times. If you are not scared now, then we will get scared later. Huh? We will we'll, we'll never get scared later again. That's it. Our heart will be hardened. Hmm. Romans chapter 5, verse 2, 3, 4. Please do it in NASB, please, if you don't mind. Yes, thank you. Through, him, through whom we have opt- Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Okay, that is verse 1. 
through whom we also have obtained our introduction by faith into his grace. Access. I like that word introduction is also there. In which we stand and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. Who is the hope? Christ in me, the hope of glory. And the hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. That is how he says, you know what, you keep on ensuring that the character of Christ is being formed in you and you'll see more of the Holy Spirit coming inside of your life and you'll more, you'll love the God, love your Lord more and more and more and more and more and more. And when you do certain small, small things, it'll prick you. Even if you do some small things, it will prick you. As long as it's pricking in your conscience, thank God. If As long as you're being pricked, as, a, as long as you've been convicted, you know something? It's a tremendous blessing. It is the proof that the Holy Spirit has not left you. He's convicting you. Oh, thank God for conviction. Thank God for conviction. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but thank God for conviction. For it is conviction which keeps us on the straight and narrow path. Okay? Shall we, shall we pray? Shall we stand and shall we pray? Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Father, we want to pray with David. Cast us not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from us. We don't want to grieve you. We don't want to break your heart. We want to speak to one another which will cause good edification and words which will impart grace. For a book of remembrance is being written by those who fear God upon whom the spirit of the fear of God is resting. And I pray, Father, that we will not take these things for granted. We will guard our heart and we will guard the deposit of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us, the earnest of your expectation, of our expectation. We will not be satisfied with mere gifts. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. You said, Lord, if you being evil can give good gifts to your children, how much more the Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And therefore this morning we ask, Father, more of your Spirit, more of the gift of the fear of God, that we will honor authority. That we will honor word or your word. And we'll be circumspect. We'll walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, not knowing that the days are evil. We'll not be foolish, but we will understand what the will of God is. That we will not be drunk with the pleasures of this world, O oh Lord, even during this lockdown. We will redeem these moments. And Lord, 
by listening to the anointed word, will be continuously be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lest our hearts get hardened. Father, we are all prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. Here's our heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Keep us on the straight and narrow path. Keep us on that narrow way. Enable us to redeem the time, knowing that the days are evil. We thank you, Lord, we praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.